to become a sponsor, to suggest topics, or for questions, email goingincirclespodcast at gmail.com. And log on to our Facebook page, Going In Circles Podcast. Here's your host, Chuck Simon. All right, we're back for hour number two. And like I said, I said to Steve, you know, we'll, 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 we'll keep it to 30 minutes. We won't get too long. And, of course, we went an hour. Um, I'm trying, Stephen Nagler. I'm trying. I'm trying. I just talk too much. Um, with us next is uh, is my friend and uh, former Thoroughbred Times writer and uh, current uh, uh, business manager of, of THT Bloodstock. Is is that what you would call yourself, Peter? Do we have Pete? Hello, Pete. Sure. Pete, are you uh, there? A little, little bit of everything. A little bit of everything. Hey, before yeah, we get started. Gary Thomas's handler. Yes. Are, are you the, the guy that uh, handles his towels and uh, his uh, uh, mushroom, Swiss mushroom cheeseburgers? Mushroom Swiss? <laughs> we talked about that the other day when he was on. I said, you know, I've been out to dinner with you probably like 15 times, and you never didn't get the Swiss mushroom burger except one time when we were at a place that didn't have it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he he is a creature of habit like none you have ever met. Uh, like a horse, honestly, it, it's like a horse. Um, oh, he 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 runs best from from home. I can't tell me how many times we'll we'll go to like a sale in Maryland, and he'll say, "Okay, fly into Philadelphia. I'll pick you from pick you up from the airport where I always do." And I'll be like, "Baltimore has its own airport." <laughs> yes, they do have an airport in Baltimore. It's actually a pretty nice airport. Um, the derby was kind of wild, and and before we get we get going, um, what about your, the what about the Bears, man? The Bears made some moves. Oh, are we allowed to talk football in this podcast? Oh yeah, of course. The Chicago Bears. I mean, you're a long suffering fan, and and you know you 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 need something to leak, at least you know shout out. I have never been more excited about a Bears draft. Than this one, and I couldn't have been lower going into it. There we go, man. That's the kind of enthusiasm we want to hear. We got a quarterback with uh, with upside. We finally addressed our offensive line. I have hated their offensive line for years. We got some physical guys. I loved every pick. So who knows? I've been a Bears fan all my life. I don't like any other team but the Bears, and it's been a little bit miserable recently. Well, finally, so. some good news out of Chicago. Uh, uh, and, and I don't you know mean to to rub salt in the wound, but I was a little bit taken aback when I saw that Churchill was promoting Arlington with the term, the final term. I mean, that's kind of like you killed the track, but now you're going to try to take advantage of it by having this, you know, farewell tour. I don't know what your feelings are, but man, I, I thought that was kind of like, I don't know. I like Arlington Park. I, I went there for two summers, and, and I really liked it. And I know it's poly track, and people don't really like it that much. And uh, I, I know, obviously, the quality of racing there is not up to, to par with a lot of other places, though the turf racing is still pretty good. And the Illinois bred program is kind of, uh, you know, falling on hard times. But I mean, Arlington Park is just a it's, it's just like one of the best places you could ever go anywhere in the whole world. And that's the thing. To me, it's like, I don't know. I haven't been to every track in the world, but I've been to most of the good ones in the U.S., and it's got to be a top-10 venue, just like beautiful atmosphere, sight lines. I always thought it was like one of our racetracks 
where we could showcase racing, like how beautiful it could be. Like you could go to the track and feel good about it. And, you know, we might, we can't afford to lose the Chicago market and we can't afford to lose a place like that right now in racing. No, I mean, I know people kind of, um, you know, look down their nose at, at places like Suffolk and Rockingham, but we've lost the entire New England market. Um, Suffolk wasn't great racing for a long time, but it was, uh, it, it, it was still, you know, we had our foot in the door in Boston and now that's gone. Um, you know, now we're talking about Chicago. Uh, look at LA lost the track. Uh, I don't know how long the, the, in San Francisco, the, the, the we're going to have a track. I mean, Golden Gate doesn't really do that well. And I, I don't know, uh, you know, what the future holds there. Uh, I mean, we just had Steve Scrunchy of the, the Florida HGPA on, and, and you know, we're uh, it's all bad news, you know, coming out of legislature here in that uh, the Indians just completely dominate the uh, the gambling landscape, and it's almost like they play the game on a cheat code. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to wind up losing quite a bit of purse money. And, and the fact of the matter is that this was one of the places where we didn't really rely on the stock, the slot money as the big, um, you know, revenue generator for, for purses. Um, you know, a little bit more than 80% of the money comes from the actual betting, like, an, you know, kind of a quote unquote old school. And the, the amount that we did get was enough to, you know, to, to help. But but even that is, is seems like it, it's on the way out. And, um, you know, there's just so many areas of the country where, you know, Chicago is going to be down to just Hawthorne. And, I, I mean, I, I give the Carey's family and Jim Miller and them people a lot of credit. Uh, you know, they're putting, they're, they're investing in, in the facility. They're, they're putting in um, a casino and, uh, um, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, keep racing going there. And, and they're doing both the trotters and the, the thoroughbreds. Um, you know, but it, it's... Uh, it's tough to get people interested in racing without them ever having been at a racetrack. And uh, um, I think that's one of the big issues that we have. And, and we have these giant population centers where we don't have any racing. And uh, I mean, we've never had any, any racing in, in most of the Southern States. I mean, Birmingham and was, was going for a couple years, but uh, you know, Georgia has no racing. South Carolina has no racing. North Carolina has no racing. Virginia's got racing, but it's out in the boonies and, and it's only for uh, like six weeks. And um, I just find it hard to get people um, to get racing on the radar screen without people actually having physically been at a racetrack and, and, and seen horses run. Yeah, or seeing the Kentucky Derby on TV. And, and another sad thing about, you know, what's happened in the Chicago market, the Illinois Derby, that was the signature race of, of Hawthorne Spring Meeting. And that race got crippled by uh, Churchill Downing's decision to take the Derby points away from it. So, you know, yeah. Hawthorne and that is seemed like a competition in that market, and they've, you know, they've wounded them mortally. And now they're going to Arlington potentially is going to close, and, and, and Hawthorne's going to be left to stand on its own, and they don't even have that race anymore. Yeah, you know what we need to do? We need to raise like I don't know, a couple hundred million dollars. Poses developers, buy it from Churchill, and then like pull off the mask, you know, like Scooby Doo, and <laughs> we're keeping it at a racetrack, but. Uh... I don't know. It, it, it's 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 sad, not just because it's an, uh, 
because uh, you know Illinois has always been a pretty strong racing state. It's just sad because the facility is so nice and the people there are just so dedicated to it. And uh, I mean, they, they, you know, at, at a far lesser extent, you know, they're they're dealing with the same thing down here in, in South Florida with Pompano Park, and that um, you know Gabe Pruitt has done a, a an amazing job. Uh, you know, he came here seven years ago. They were handling eighty eight thousand dollars a night, a night, <laughs> a night. They're doing ten thousand a race. Uh, Sunday night, they did $1.7 million. I mean, it's just, and, and yet the track is owned by Caesars. It's owned by the Isle, but Isle's owned by Caesars. So, and, and they just, you know, they're not ne- making nearly enough money to justify uh, keeping it as, as a track. And, and it's, it's, it's that, it's that part of, of racing that we all don't want to um, admit, but in the grand scheme, racing is expensive and it takes a lot of land. It takes a lot of money. Uh, there's a lot of insurance now. This time, this day and age, you get some some pushback from uh, the animal rights nut people, and you know it's um, you know we're old, so at least uh, hopefully we can hold on for another twenty twenty five years and and keep it going. But um, let's talk about the Kentucky Derby because that was kind of a, um, it was kind of a, a, a crazy weekend in it. It wasn't. There wasn't a lot of upsets or anything like really out of the ordinary happened, but um, it was really a great racing weekend. And, and uh, the card Saturday was just like amazingly good and deep. And, uh, you know, from, from race one to race, what were they at 14? Uh, you know, Saturday, Friday's card wasn't quite as good, but it, but it was a, a good card. And the Oaks was a, was a, was a great race. And uh, I mean, you know what? What are your what's your your feelings about uh, you know just the weekend in general, and then you know comment on the Oaks and and then the Derby. Yeah, I, I think it's one of those showcase days when 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 racing you know is still really grips me. You know, I, I've probably become a little bit jaded over the years. You know, I used to be willing to sit down and handicap a, a card of four G claimers or, or whatever whatever they were putting out there. Um. You know, and the more I've gotten involved in the bloodstock market, and the more uh, Carrie and I have focused on um, evaluating young horses and, and the mental behavioral profiles and how they develop their talent early on, I've kind of gravitated towards certain kinds of racing. But I thought this was just a a really good weekend, uh, a really interesting Derby. Um, you know, for the second year in a row, we have we have Bob Baffert winning the Derby with a horse on our metrics that actually improved in the Derby. And, and we haven't seen that that much in the past. Um, and, you know, when we do our reviews, we always grade ourselves on how many of these horses ran to their profiles for us. And I think a lot of them did run to profile. Um, you know, I went back to Medina Spirits write-up that we had on him, and, and I felt like we really captured his mental behavioral profile really well. I just wish we would have ranked him higher, you know, and I, and I go back to why why I underestimated this horse, and, and, you know, I think part of it is that you watch him finish second in his last two derby preps, and he's beaten eight lengths in one and, and four lengths in the other, and I, and I always say, you know, finishing position is actually one of the more overrated stats in racing. It's, it's the only only stat that matters when you're collecting your payout at the window or when you're getting purse money and, and looking in sales catalogs. But when you talk about how a horse really ran, sometimes it can be quite overrated. And, and Medina Spirit, you know, 
he he had a we just saw a lot of competitive grit and efficiency in this horse on the way to the Derby. We just didn't we just thought there'd be one or two that were a little bit faster than her, him on the day. But um, you know, I have to give credit to the horse and credit to Baffert. He knows how to get a horse ready for this very unique test. No doubt, no doubt. I mean, I um, I cashed a future book ticket on him. And one of the things I really liked about him was um, I, I liked the fact that, and I'd harped on this subject for, you know, I'm sure people are sick of hearing of it. But the one thing that Baffert does that no one else seems to do, no one, and, and it's baffling to me, you have to train your horse different for this race. And Baffert trains his horses like this all the time. It's just his way of doing it. And remember, Baffert's got a big advantage and he's got, you know, he's starting out with, um, you know, a group of all-stars. You know, it's it's not like he doesn't have a good horse to start with. And this horse obviously doesn't fit the typical mold as a $1,000 yearling and a $35,000 two-year-old. But, you know, he, he seemed like he was a horse that Baffert just kept um, throwing to the wolves and he kept responding. And he kept responding. And one thing I liked about his sheet numbers was he was consistently fast from the get-go. His numbers never, he never took a backward step, even though it seemed like when you watched the trips, he, he seemed like he may have not been, um, like you talked about the finishing position. Maybe he wasn't, he was getting outrun a little bit. But the fact of the matter was that he was consistently good. And, and, and my comment on him in my write-up for the Derby was, if he takes a step up, you're going to see him in the winner's circle um, because he's been right there under the best. But he, he his Beverly Lewis race, his Bob and Beverly Lewis race, where he just dug in and he wouldn't let Hot Rod Charlie or a horse named Roman Centurion, who's kind of fallen off, uh, you know, fell off the derby trail, and, I, and I'm not exactly sure where Simon Callahan trains him. I'm not sure where he's going to show up again, but uh, wherever he does, <laughs> you know, watch out. Um but I, I think the draw helped him a lot. I think that his hand was forced drawing where he did because there was no speed inside of him. None of the horse inside of him had really much speed. And all of the speed or potential speed was to the outside of him. So Johnny V had really no choice but to to send him to the lead. And the one thing about him, and, and this is one thing that I harped on a lot about in these derby horses, and it was a Rock Your World issue, and it was an issue for quite a few of the other ones, Helium as well. They've never had dirt in her face, ever. And Medina Spirit has really never had dirt in his face either. He's always been in the clear. He's always raced in the clear. So it's not like he had a whole lot of experience in behind horses either. So I was thinking that he was going to send, and at the very least... Uh, if someone on the outside went nuts and, and wanted to go 45, he could have let them clear and then taken a position on the outside of them. But as it turns out, when Rock Your World didn't break, um, you know, all he had to do was, you know, fend off soup and sandwich for a while. And then, uh, you know, you knew that one eventually was going to quit because he just, you know, he just wasn't nearly uh, as experienced or fit enough to run in, in the Kentucky Derby. And, uh, you know, I think Johnny V deserves a lot of credit for, uh, you know, for you know, following the instructions because you know apparently that's what Baffert had, had said. Let's let's go, let's go to the lead. But you know, he he went fast enough to keep everyone honest, but he didn't go so fast that he didn't leave a little bit in the tank. And and you know, I mean, he was riding for his his uh, his life there the last sixteenth of a mile. I mean, I you know Johnny's always been a real strong finisher, but uh, I mean, you know, he didn't give up not not one inch. 
you know, I kind of divide his, his, his trip. I dissected in three parts and kind of being looking like, okay, how did this horse win the race? When we were studying Medina Spirit, his gate efficiency was just tops in the race. He just, he would dig hard and he would not lose body control. He always broke well from the gate. And one thing that we look at is how quickly does a horse's sensory system kind of get up to speed and start accurately interpreting what's going on around them. A lot of horses, you know, that, that first jump out of the gate, they're lost. They're going to fall into open space. They're going to crash into other horses. They're going to be reactive to herd chaos. And when you're doing that kind of stuff in the derby, I mean, that opening furlong in the derby is just critical to setting up what the rest of the race is going to be like for you. And he broke good. He broke pretty good. He actually didn't break great in the derby, but he gets up to speed so fast, and he threads his way through that early chaos and, and, and took the lead away. And then, like you said from there, He's got soup and sandwich uh, as the only horse really in his immediate space for six or seven furlongs, maybe. Um, if you would have asked me to make a line before this derby, who's going to finish last, I would have said soup and sandwich. Because he was a horse that, you know, when, when we went over his races for the derby profile, it was not a question of can this horse win the derby. We're like, this horse is a project horse. He mentally, you know, he wasn't, we didn't think he was ready for the Kentucky Derby. And he just happened to be the other horse that got out and he's off Medina spirits flank and, and soup and sandwiches, the type of horse, you know, horses sometimes carry, like to say, they want to outsource their reads to other herd members. They're moving as a herd. Every single horse in the herd doesn't have to interpret the uh, entire environment they're moving through. They let each other do things for them. Well, a horse that's a little weaker on her dynamics, like soup and sandwich, he's going to outsource his reads to a strong horse that's that's clearing the space in front of him. So Medina Spirit couldn't have asked for a more, uh, you know, energy-conserving uh, first six or seven furlongs of the race, you know, to have soup and sandwich there, almost feeding his confidence, you know, just mm-hmm. sitting sitting off him pretty obediently. Not giving not giving him any trouble. And uh, I had yeah. soup and sandwich. But then he earned it in the lane. Uh, uh, on my, on my, uh, my morning line, I had him listed at 90 to 1. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I mean, this was my exact comment. I don't think this horse has nearly enough preparation experience to win this race. He's another talented horse that may very well win a bunch of races down the road, but he's ill-suited to win this one. Uh, I said I didn't know what the plan was going to be for post nineteen, as he's never rated behind horses, and he, you know, he's not fast enough to clear. And I just don't know, you know, I mean, what he wound up doing was probably, you know, the only option they really had. I mean, he was pulling pretty hard on Tyler too, so you know, and he had kind of acted like that in his training. Um, you know, he he was a little bit of a high strung. He's a tappet, which you know we all know that they they struggle sometimes with. Uh, uh, you know distractions, but um, uh, you know, you know the the one horse that I and, and I struggled for a month on this horse, a month, um, was was Mandalum, and I watched his race in the Louisiana Derby a hundred times. I, I fast forwarded it. I watched it <laughs> from every angle, and I, it was fascinating to me because a lot of times, you know, you watch a horse race and and you'll see something. Um, that kind of tips you off as as to uh, why a horse didn't run. Um, maybe they'll get checked a little bit, and 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 you know, like a lot of times, like people talk about uh, horses displacing, right? I mean, like say super sandwich displaced. Well, horses displace all the time. It's not a, an unnatural thing. It happens. Uh, and sometimes when a horse encounters trouble, they'll displace. Um, but Mandaloon had a clean trip. He was wide in the Louisiana Derby, but 
to me, when I watched it, I, I see Florentino like getting really nervous going past uh, uh, the the 5A's pole, going to the final turn, in that all his previous races, the horse had dragged him up there. And this race, he had already started asking him. And it wasn't as though um, Hot Rod Charlie, who was the leader, the pace setter in the Louisiana Derby, was going uh, a tremendous pace. He wasn't going super fast. So it wasn't like he was chasing abnormally fast fractions where he'd have to get after him to, you know, to, to keep up. And then on the turn, he just didn't have any acceleration. And he was like in a full drive, three eighths of a mile out. And uh, he, he might've got beat a little bit further than he, he would have, but you know, Florent did the right thing and he kind of wrapped up on him once he, he saw that he wasn't going to get anything. And uh, you know, he probably got beat three, four, five lengths, you know, further than he would have. But I went back and forth on him a hundred times because uh, I just couldn't figure out that race. I said, "You, if you had eliminated that race and you just moved him up, in his um, his risen star was the Louisiana Derby. He would have been one of my choices." When what do you guys think of him? You know, the read on him was really complicated because you had the, you know, he's beaten twelve lengths in his final prep. And he also, they had added blinkers in the, he had run in the Lecompte, and he had kind of sit off the horses, sat third, and, and like, he looked like he was moving well, but he didn't want to pass in the lane. Then they add blinkers, he, has the, he had that really nice race in the Risen Star, you know, he beats Midnight Bourbon, and then the flop in the Louisiana Derby. So we had two blinkered races, and, you know, as you know, blinkers play a big role in uh, how a horse's sensory system interprets the environment, so that, thus it's a big, big thing for us. So we had two blinker races, one good, then a big backwards move. So, you know, we didn't really know what to think of the horse, but our read was not positive coming into the derby. Um, you know, we were worried about how he would he would be interpreting that derby environment, and he definitely outran our expectations. Yeah, he, he was he was the one I really struggled with. I mean, I, I had a pretty good read. I mean, I'm not going to pat myself on the back too many times because, uh, uh, honestly, I, I, I lose more than I win. But I, I thought I had a pretty good read on this entire field, and I was wrong about a couple. Um, one of the runs I was wrong about um, was, and this was a little bit more of kind of like Chuck taking a shot in the dark with dynamic one. Uh, he he just got bumped pretty hard coming out of the gate and and never got into it. Um, and I don't know that you guys had him rated that highly as well. But uh, the one I really kind of missed on, and 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 I'm kind of kicking myself for for using him at all. Um, is known agenda. What 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 was your feeling uh, on him going in and, and coming out of that race? You know, there's there's some similarities with with Mandaloon there um, because known agenda also had blinkers added um, probably two races before the Derby. Let me yes, that was, double two, check that, two races but, before no. the Derby. Um, we race. liked known agenda. We we saw some things things that he liked. Yeah, so he had. You know, he had blinkers added two, two before the Derby. He wins the allowance race at Gulfstream by 11, and then he wins the Florida Derby. The one thing that, that kind of – there were two things that gave us pause from, from ranking known agenda too high. We, we had him as a Tier 2 horse, but at the top of Tier 2. But, um, you know, the way he won the Florida Derby, when, when, he, when he took the lead, uh, you know, an early stretch – Body control is a big thing for us. We're watching, you know, the head-on replays. We're seeing what kind of a path does the horse hold. Uh, how does its stride mechanics hold up to intensification and getting tired physically or mentally? And even though 
known agenda won the Florida Derby pretty impressively. We did not like the style in which he was running late in the lane. He he looked um, like yeah. he's running with a little too much urgency. His stride looked funny. Uh, he might have stuck on a lead. Uh, he wasn't holding a straight path. He, yeah, he and, he did you know, lug out some in in the Florida Derby stretch. And so yeah, so that that concerned us, and that that tempered our enthusiasm for him. For the also, um, you know, who he beat in the Florida Derby, we had a we didn't think much of soup and sandwich and 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 known agenda kind of leaned on soup and sandwich physically turning for home and then he he ran kind of squirrely to the wire so we were thinking maybe he didn't really beat that much in this race i think greatest honor was not at his top form so we were thinking he didn't beat that much we don't know that the blink the blinkers gave him a, a boost but sometimes the growth pattern doesn't continue and that's what we thought with mandaloon too you know we were wrong there but um and then he drew the rail so the day we're finalizing our report, uh, he draws the rail, and he's already a horse that, that we weren't uh, totally believing in, so we bumped him down. Now, I don't think the rail necessarily doomed him. Did you watch his trip? I, I don't think the rail doomed him. I think what doomed him more than anything is the, the his, his just lack of early foot because yeah. it, it seemed like he was uh, ha- had a clear path, but he just wasn't able to keep up and um, – you know the the one thing that always kind of got to me about him, and 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 afterwards I was like, you know what, like uh, you had too much faith in this horse. It was that Sam Davis, where he just didn't run at all, and I know he added blinkers after that, and he got that tune up at Gulfstream and against overmatched horses for the most part, but he just didn't run at all at the beginning of that race, and sometimes, um, it, it's hard to really trust horses that every once in a while they'll just throw in a clunker you know they'll just like and i don't know like you guys could probably explain it better but like he seems like a horse that um maybe a stubborn horse and 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 more than that and and to me he just gave himself way too much to do and he's more of a grinder and that was kind of the uh, there was some talk about um, Midnight Bourbon after the race, and and I didn't like Midnight Bourbon at all. I mean, this my comment was I'm not a fan of this horse in this race, as he's a grinder. He doesn't quicken like he'll need to do in a huge field. That doesn't mean I don't think he's an improving cult that has ability. I just don't like him at this in this particular race uh, with this field size and this distance. To me, he's better suited to a smaller field where he can easily find a forward position and then just gallop and gallop and gallop. And that was the problem I had with Midnight Bourbon in this race was that. Even without Cotto River, Contra Tour, the, the absolute known pace setters, right? Midnight Bourbon, when he won the LeCompte, went 49 to the half and wasn't pressured, you know? And I, I know that comparing raw times from, from different tracks is, is a little bit, you know, I mean, the speed figure guys would, would, would look down upon that. But he never really shown a lot of quickness in his races. And even such, he still managed to lose ground in the stretch call a couple times. Uh, so to me, he's not a horse. He's he's a grinder. And if you're a grinder and you can't get forward position, and I think that was kind of the same thing with Known Agenda, that you're asking them to do something that they just don't seem physically suited to be able to do, and that is to uh, to quicken. And and that was why I really didn't like him. And and Jay Privman, you know, said to me on Twitter, he said, you know, Chuck the horse really ran great. And uh, and I watched the race over a couple times and. Uh, I can see why Steve Asmussen would be upset because Mike didn't try to get him into a forward position. But by the same token, I don't know, had Mike Smith put him into a drive going into the first turn, 
that the horse would have been around at the end either. So, uh, you know, to me, he just wasn't suited to the race. And I, I, I understand why people run. I mean, you know, he's a good horse. He's talented. He's training great. But, uh, you know, for us, you and I, we don't own the horse, you know, we don't train the horse. It's, it's easier for us to be critical of, of a horse's chances. And I, and I think that he was one I really dismissed. And, um, I think he's going to be a good horse. And, and like I said, uh, I, I, I dug Salvador on, I, I said, you know, I, I'm going to make him the future book favorite for the, uh, the Jim Dandy. The Jim Dandy's always a, like a five horse field these days. Uh, you know, it's often running up against the, the Haskell. So, uh, you know, I think he's a good horse. I just didn't think that this race was uh, was suited for him, and, and, it, and it didn't work out that way. Um, so, Midnight Bourbon and, and Known Agenda, there's some similarities, but there's some subtle differences for us. Uh, Midnight Bourbon, I think, is a little, for us, is a little bit more of a speed horse. Uh, we, we talk about patterns of motion in our report, and and. and and it is patterns because horses come in certain uh, mental types and physical types, and there's combinations of, of um, you know, personality and behavioral traits and then accompanying physical speed. So Midnight Bourbon, you know, what we call his pattern of motion, he's a speed horse essentially, but we call it a single-platform IHD speed horse. What that means is he has to break from the gate running, he has to get a position, and then he settles in that position. And then at some point in the race, the rider is going to say, okay, whatever you have, we're doing it now. And then at that point, you kind of can picture a fuse being lit. And the horse is going to run as fast as he can to the wire from that point. But there's no, you know, additional moves. It's, it's one continuous thing. And, uh, you know, when a horse like that doesn't get early position and all of a sudden has to try to pass a lot of horses and come from way far back, that, that really hurts them. It's just not as effective. And when I watched Midnight Bourbon's Derby, like, I actually thought he ran a pretty good race. But like you said, like, he got out of the gate okay, but Smith was not exactly decisive or aggressive in that, that early chaotic first furlong, and he got shuffled. And I think that cost him a, a chance at a higher placing probably. But, you know, and from there it was, it was just four or five wide. But the horse did run. I think he, Trackus had, Midnight Bourbon home in twenty four sixty six, which was one of the best final quarters in the race. Um, he ran sixth. I think he's the type of horse that's going to get better when he gets older, both physically and mentally. You know, so I, I like your idea of looking at him for the second half of the year. Yeah, uh, you know, I'll give uh, Steve Asmussen and, and his crew a lot of credit, and uh, they schooled Midnight Bourbon every single day last week. <laughs> every single day he schooled. He schooled on Oaks Day. And Steve himself, uh, and and you got you know listen. Uh, there's a lot of trainers out there like you know you kind of look side eye when they tell you how hard they work. Uh, a lot of them are just working on stealing other people's owners. But Steve Asmussen is is a guy that um, you know he, he he's going to take the horse and, and do it himself. Um, I mean, it's shocking. It's shocking when you look at him to think that he actually rode races. <laughs> Steve rode races. I mean, his, his, his head and his hair look like it weighs more than 110 pounds, right? But um, he did a lot of work. And one of the great things that, that we, we have these days is that uh, we were able to see the horse's morning works, their gallops. They're, we're able to see schooling in the afternoon. And, and you could see Midnight Bourbon from uh, – 
the the Tuesday. I saw him school on Tuesday, and he acted terrible. He acted terrible. The photographers were all complaining because uh, he had his wang out, and they said, "We you know, we got all these pictures. We can't use them because you know they're kind of horse pornographic." And then Wednesday, schooled him again. And then Thursday, schooled him again. And then on Oaks Day, he schooled him again. Um, and he didn't, you know, give him a whole lot of trouble in in the in the uh, the paddock and. And that's re- that's training. I mean, that's real horse training. A lot of times, um, you know, you don't see that, and, and that's the things that you like. You don't see from the outside. You're not. You're never going to see that in uh, in the DRF. You're not going to see that in race replays. But the the transformation that horse made from um, Tuesday to the Derby paddock. Uh, procession of course you know there's so much going on during that it's not like they uh, you know i'm sure he 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 wasn't uh you know like uh mr ed standing there but um you know that that was uh to me i i, I really <laughs> i give him a lot of credit for that and uh, uh i mean i still didn't like the horse in the race but uh he did uh, that was one thing that was one note that that I, i'm going to probably you know remember from this derby was was how he just every day kept bringing him back and he got a little bit better every day, and that's that's just horsemanship and, and work, you know. I mean, that's just work, and and I'm sure guys are saying, well, it's the Kentucky Derby, of course, blah blah blah. But listen, this guy trains 400 horses, you know, <laughs> and yeah, he wants to win the Derby like everybody else. But uh, you know, I'll give Steve a lot of credit for that because that uh, he, he, the horse didn't lose the race because of that. So, well, in, in Midnight Bourbon, didn't his his week started? He got loose in a bath, and there was yes, I'm sure Ashley yes. hated this. There was footage of him running through the muck pit, hay flying everywhere, grooms chasing him. No, so. th- yes, that that was right. That was that was absolutely correct. And uh, and and the lady hot walker who was holding uh, uh, his his workmate wound up grabbing him. Um, yeah, and, that, and listen, that's happened to all of us. <laughs> oh, exactly. But but you know, <laughs> one 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 day it. when I was working for Jerkins, we had um, uh, this was when I first started working for him, and uh, we had. Uh, a horse named Virginia Rapids, and he was a pretty good horse. Virginia Rapids. As a matter of fact, I saw his name in a pedigree, uh, not a pedigree, a chart last night when I looked up the Met Mile that Holy Bull won, and Virginia Rapids finished third or fourth, and I think he won the Westchester. He, he was a pretty good horse. He was by Riverman. He was the absolute scariest horse I was ever around. He was like literally a, a criminal horse. Like he he was like a serial killer type horse. He wanted to hurt you. He would chew on. He had to have a muzzle on because he would chew on himself. Um, and uh, um, <laughs> so, one day uh, in the afternoon, we always uh, took horses out to graze uh, in the barn at, at Belmont, and, and you know everybody got out to walk. Everybody got out to to graze, and and you know they all got out of their stalls every afternoon. Um, and we had Sky Beauty. And Sky Beauty was out grazing, and Virginia Rapids got loose. I mean, this is the <laughs> last horse you you ever want to see get loose. And and he actually was galloping. We had a little galloping barn at Belmont, and and he was out and he was jogging him. There was a guy, a Scottish guy named Brian, and Brian was a great rider. He was a top hand, and the horse just went to his knees while galloping. Just just went down and and started biting. The rider. I mean, it, this is this is the kind of lunatic this horse was. So, so you know, the rider jumps off. The horse runs around. So now he's got no shank on, right? And he's running around loose. And there's Sky Beauty. And I'm thinking to myself, 
man, the chief is going to kill me if this horse goes over there and, and breeds Sky Beauty. You know, <laughs> like this, this is going to be really bad. And and I I don't think I've ever been more scared in my life. With, with, you know, trying to to corner him, and we finally got him to run into a round pen. And uh, I'm swear it, it was like Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. We needed like the the dart gun to to, to you know to shoot the tranquilizer at him. He he, he was uh, God. He was something else, and he wound up biting somebody's finger off. It. He went to stud in uh, I think New Jersey or somewhere. But uh, yeah, that happens. I mean, you know, the horses are big and strong and dangerous, and and the fact of the matter is that we as as the human compatriots to them. We have to convince the horses and try to trick them into like doing what we want them to do because the fact is that they're so strong that nobody could hold them if they really wanted to to get loose. I mean, they could they'll get loose. The the shank will break, uh, you know, the leather ones or the, the or, you know even the the chain will break because horses are so strong and and powerful. It's uh it's a scary thing, but uh, but happily you know hopefully happily he didn't get he didn't get hurt, but. Uh, and they can sense your emotions. That you know, if they're they're oh, such. No, Gary no, always talks no. about what emotional animals they are, and Absolutely. if you don't project the right emotions, you know that that's more than half the battle is projecting the right emotions. One of the things that I I, I really when I was once training, and, and even I know the guys now, it's it's tough finding uh, really good exercise riders, and some of the older guys that have been broke up a little bit, they'll get a little nervous. And you'll see, they'll, you know, uh, you know, they're riding on a nine to five. You know, I mean, and they're they're locked in, and and they're uh, you know, they got their 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 they got the horse's mouth in their hands, and you know, they're, they're scared. They you know, they've been hurt, and the horses can sense that. I mean, they absolutely can sense that. And, and if you have a nervous horse and you pair him with a rider like that, it's it's a bad, bad, bad thing. Um, we got off track a little bit. Let's talk about Hot Rod Charlie. Um, where did you guys have him? And, um, you know, what, what did you think of his race? So along with highly motivated, he was one of two horses I personally wagered on in this race. (laughs) And, uh, we loved hot rod Charlie. We, in the end, I think we ranked him third. We, we almost put him above essential quality who we had second. Um, but we loved everything about hot rod Charlie. Um, you know, when when we went to his races, you know, I remembered last year in the breeders cup, I don't, study races the way Carrie and I study them for the Derby, you know, normally, you know, I, I keep up with events, but, but it's not, it's not this. And I remember thinking, oh, this 90 to one shot ran, you know, ran well in the Breeders' Cup. He actually put a scare in him at the, at the head of the lane. Well, when we went back and watched all Hot Rod Charlie's career races, you know, we just, we fell in love with the horse in terms of like personality and effort and bravery. He was maybe our favorite horse in the field. So we, we liked him a lot. Uh, he got good when they put him long on the dirt and they added blinkers. He just and he just kept getting better. Ran a really brave race that day in the Breeders' Cup. Um, came back this year. He had that race in the Lewis that that uh, where he was the the middle. He was the meat and the sandwich where Medina Spirit had the rail. You were talking about Roman Centurion in the outside, and it was just a three horse battle the entire length of the stretch. So that was Charlie's first race this year, and he hung in there and he got second. Um, and then they sent him to the Louisiana Derby, and he took a really nice step forward. He wins a one and three sixteenth mile race, pretty much showing you right there he's going to get the mile and a quarter. So we loved him coming into the race. I wish he was going on to the Preakness, but I guess they're they're saying uh, a little 
short break, and then they're going to aim Belmont with him? Uh, yeah, it seemed like he went back to California, and, and uh, they were talking Belmont with him. And I don't know if you heard today, uh, Brad Cox said essential quality will be passing the Preakness for the Belmont, and there's no decision quite yet on Mandaloon and or Cotto River. Yeah. Um, love Hot Rod Charlie. Can we talk essential quality for a second? Sure, uh, absolutely. He was kind of the next horse I was I was going to go to, and uh, you know, one of the things I liked about Hot Rod Charlie was um, I, I liked the flashing speed in the Louisiana Derby. Um, I thought that uh, he was a horse that he was almost uh, a little. I, I really thought that um, he was going to come in a little bit more under the radar. I saw a lot of people picked him. Um, it was five to one. I mean, yeah, I felt, I mean, I felt like the action was kind of heavy. On right. I, I thought he would be in a little more of a sleeper, but I, I thought I did like him. And, and I thought when I watched uh, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile over a couple times, you know, like essential quality got all the press after that race, as he should. And I think the two themes out of the Breeders' Cup Juvenile were essential quality, go dolphin, really undefeated horse, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and of course, he is a really good horse. And, uh, but I thought the second thing coming out of that was, hey, Jackie's Warrior, who dominated all these one-turn races, uh, you know, kind of was the, you know, people forget Jackie's Warrior was the favorite for the Derby going into the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. Uh, and no one really talked about how well Hot Rod Charlie ran at like 98 to 1 coming off right. of, a, of a maiden win. Um, and, and he came back and, and he ran decently in that Robert Lewis race and he, he kind of hung a little bit, but then, you know, you can give credit to Medina spirit for, for fighting him off again, you know, Medina spirit fought him off again. So it showed that, that maybe we, you know, at least I thought that hot ride Charlie hung, uh, in that Robert Lewis more than he actually did. Maybe the fact of the matter was that Medina spirit is just like you said, a gritty horse that doesn't want to get past, but, uh, you know, Hot Rod Charlie ran a ran a really good race, and uh, I mean, the Belmont should be something that that he, you know, uh, as a, a, a tactical speed kind of pace factor horse, and and those are the type. It's always funny because people always make the same. Uh, it's funny we make fun of the people who always say the same thing every year that the dead closers uh, are the horses that that should be pouring mm-hmm. to the Belmont when you know the dead closers like never win the Belmont. Exactly. Um... But go ahead, uh, essential quality. I mean, uh, there, you know, like most of the talk post-race has been the fact that he got a wide trip. And uh, Andy Sterling last night kind of did a little bit of a, a write-up on Twitter. And, and uh, you know, one of his themes, and I completely agree, is, the you know, what what did you think he was going to get? Like, where did you think he was going to be sitting? Like, you didn't think he was going to be on the rail, right? So, I mean, the way the race set up post-position-wise, the way the race looked like it was going to be run uh, stylistically, he figured to be three or four wide, and, and, that, and that's exactly what happened. Oh, absolutely. I mean, going into the race, when, when, when you're in a 20-horse field, you just hope for a clean trip. If, if you would have told Brad Cox ahead of time that, hey, you, get, you have to take a four-wide, four-wide trip, uh, you're never going to get stopped, and you're going to be within a length of the leader running down the lane. Like, do you think they wouldn't have taken that? No, I, I, I hear you. But so the, the interesting thing about essential quality, you know, I, we said in our report he was the deserving favorite. But one thing that that stopped us from picking him on top, and and even to this day, like, makes me have some doubts about whether he's a truly. I don't I don't want to say he's not a great horse because he's already done things that that 
mean he's a great horse. But when we watch these races, we really try to get a feel for the personality of the horse and for its spirit. And I never felt like we knew who essential quality was as a horse. You know, he wears blinkers. His body language was pretty quiet. One little thing that we saw in the bluegrass stakes, um, you know, when he made his run at Highly Motivated, Highly Motivated actually kind of turned into him and, and pushed essential quality about three or four lengths, three or four paths out to the middle of the track. And we saw that, and we, you know, it was interesting. It was kind of like, you know, Highly Motivated turned on his fierce energy and tried to hold him off, but ultimately essential quality outstayed him. He just had superior stamina, and he, he held his action through the wire. But there was that, and then... You know, I was watching the head-on of the Derby afterwards, and the same thing happened. Turning for home, you know, essential quality is a tops a length and a half off the leaders, and Hot Rod Charlie's in on the inside trying to get out. He pushed essential quality out of his way to get through and give himself a clear path, and then the entire length of the stretch, essential quality is, you know, he's right there. The race is there for him to win, and he's drifting away from those other horses at times. Um, I saw a quote after the race, too, that, that Louis Saez confirmed it. He actually said, my horse was shying away from those other three horses. So as good as essential quality is and as good as his race is going to look on paper, if, you know, if they roll him into the Belmont stakes, um, you know, for my own personal, you know, if I get involved in the gambling front, I'm going to keep fading essential quality, um, I think, until proven wrong. We're a big advocate on this show of, of fading the favorites, so we're with you. Uh, it's, I mean, hey, if you have a reason to do it, do it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Rock, your world, kind of, I mean, the race for him was over as soon as uh, he got squeezed in buying horses. Um, you know, I, I, don't know I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what else there is to say about his race. I mean, he was put in a position that, uh, you know, I mean, the one thing that I didn't like about Rocky World, well, a number of things. Uh, again, I think he was a talented horse. It's just like we don't know if he's not at his best when he's not on the lead. He's only running one dirt race. He was on the lead. Um, we don't know if he can take kickback because he's never taken kickback. We don't know if he can finish up and pass horses uh, three or four or five horses in a race. We don't know if he can sit three wide and and, and off you know off and still finish. I mean, there was so many questions about him because. Uh, he, he was just kind of tossed into the race by by John Sadler, uh, and this is not again. Again, it's not a criticism of John Sadler. It's just the fact that the horse, you know, is he just a one trick pony? Is he only a, a speed horse? We don't even know that coming out of this race because he got squeezed so badly, and and he was like out in the fifteen path. Um, had he broke sharp, and, and Medina Spirit didn't didn't let him go, would he have been sandwiched in between Medina Spirit? Um and soup and sandwich. Would 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 that trip have been? Because you know, running in between horses is is a difficult trip sometimes for for young horses as well. So I mean, there's so many uh, variables, and and that's the thing about the Derby, is that it's a twenty horse field, and it's a mile and a quarter, and it's an unforgiving race. You're always going to get some jostling, and this was a pretty clean race for the Kentucky Derby. Um, and I think part of that was that, um. You know, there was a number of horses that just never made any moves. You know, they just ran around there and, and kind of backed up, uh, you know. So, um, 
you know, he was syndicated uh, before the race for, for a, a, you know, a pretty good amount of money. So obviously I, I, I'm guessing that they're going to probably try to regroup with him. And uh, I mean, they run that affirmed uh, three-year-olds uh, out in California in first, second week in June that should probably be a light race that he will, uh, you know, he'd be a prohibitive favorite in. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they'll try the Belmont. I, I really don't know. I, 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 I don't think much has been said about uh, about where he's going um, at all. Yeah, we, you know, going into the Derby, we, we ranked Rocky World fourth out of respect for his talent and for his ceiling. But he also had a really low floor, and he just he just lacked the seasoning. Um, you know, you knew that if there was going to be any kind of chaos at the start, it would be a big question of whether he could deal with it or not. And I mean, I don't think he was winning that race, no matter what happened after seeing how he ran. And I also, I did the walkover and I had two things hit me on the walkover or actually three things. One, uh, I saw highly motivated. I'm like, this horse probably isn't going to get the distance (laughs) Two, uh, Rocker World was very nervous, and he looked kind of wavy, like he he was struggling on the walkover. I, I think the environment, you know, was a big thing for him. And the other thing was uh, Medina Spirit was kicking in the air, and like he had his game face on, like he was breathing fire uh, when they were walking in a circle on the other side of the track. Not a, not in a bad way either. He was he looked strong. Yeah, I, I was very much against highly motivated going a mile and a quarter. I mean, you were right. <laughs> I, I just didn't think that he was going to get the distance. I didn't like his pedigree for it. Into mischiefs are still a little bit questionable at, at a mile and a quarter. And he didn't have the female family that Authentic had. Um, and I, I really think that he's going to be a big a force uh, in the middle distance area. Um, like, I don't know what their plans are, but I would have to imagine that, that perhaps the, the Woody Stevens. Going seven ace. I mean, the horse is, uh, you know, he does hold a track record going six and a half at Keeneland, and um, you know, cutting him back to seven eighths, it's a grade one because uh, he's he's not a you know he's not a graded stake winner either. So um, yeah, I I still like highly motivated. I, I very much believe in his herd dynamic and his ability. I think he turns back to a mile or less. Rock your world. I, I think it, it, there's a lot of things that could still happen with him. Like, I believe in his distance aptitude. I think he gets a mile or quarter or more. I don't know if he has to be dirt or turf yet. But, you know, I don't think we've heard the last of Rock your world. He still has that really high ceiling that he had coming into the Derby. He just wasn't ready, uh, you know, to get the job done on that day. No, no. It, it just could, wasn't. We could, it we wasn't. Rock your world listen. back in the Breeders' Cup Classic. We could see him in, you know, the Breeders' Cup turf. Who knows? You know, I think the horse potentially is that talented. I mean, to me, highly motivated is going to be best as a closing sprinter. Um, I, I just, I just think that, and and you know, there's there's some pretty good races out there for those type of horses. It's odd that the, the Pat Day Mile is really the only one turn mile race for three year olds of of, of of great importance. I mean, am I missing a race somewhere? Because I mean, I could see highly motivated as a King's Bishop. Horse. That's what Actually, I think. It's not the King's Bishop. The Alan Jerkins. Yeah. The I, I can Jerkins. see, you know, the, the Woody Stevens and Alan Jerkins being the, the two, you know, goal star horse. Cause those are two grade one races. And those are, those are kind of the races that the people that, uh, you know, are interested in stallions. Those are the races they want people, you know, horses to win. And, and, and he does, you know, I mean, getting beat a zop in the bluegrass, um, does show that he, he's not just a sprinter, but to me he, he's going to be best at, at seven ace. And Chad Brown's got some other horses. He's got Crowded Trade, who's, who seems to me that 
uh, he was a little less experienced than than highly motivated, and he, I, I certainly think he did the right thing in skipping the Derby. And the, uh, I guess they're going to try to preakness with him. Um, so it's not as though you know the, the cupboards bare over there, but uh, I, I really think highly motivated would be would be tough. And I think that the that the seven furlong three year old division is amazingly strong <laughs> when you look at the Pat de Mile, the first two out of there, um, uh, you know. Jackie's Warrior and and Dream Shake ran just you know, uh, it was just a spectacular race to to run the fractions that they did and and they just kind of ran everyone else off their feet, but to, to be able to hang in there, um, you have the the Safi Joseph horse that won all the sprints down here. Um, I can't remember his name. Um, you know this 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 uh, this winter. Uh, you have, you know, maybe a horse like highly motivated. You, the the that division looks looks just uh, looks loaded for bear. Yeah, I, I'm having trouble looking at this Preakness and figuring out who in 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 more of the classic division is going to challenge Medina Spirit in this race. You know, I I think the top seven in the Derby ran well. Basically, you've got Rocky World with an excuse, and the top seven ran well. But most of those horses are not being pointed for the Preakness, um, I did hear today through an unofficial source that, that keep me in mind, might go to the Preakness. I don't care. The more speed that, uh, I, I, I that joins the race, I don't probably care. more I don't encouraged care. they'll be to take another shot. I don't care where keep me in mind. I don't like that horse. You don't like that horse? No. No. I don't like that train. I, I don't like anything about that horse. Have you watched all his races? Yes, but I just don't. I have a... Not a grudge. I just don't like that. I don't like the connection. I don't like anything about that horse. Well, he's just a one we run closer. He, he's, races, he's just we, we've a, got a, a new respect for that horse. Just and a, I will say this: you know what he is? He's now, just a flat closer. He just has to lag and make a run, and that's all. You know, that's what he's going to do. And the problem is that those horses can only win when the races fall apart, um, and especially on the bigger days. When they still do it, they still speed the tracks up. It makes it harder for those horses to to make that run. And he did. He ran a good race in the Derby. I'm not going to take any credit away from the horse. Uh, he he did run, uh, you know, a representative race. He's just not quite good enough to me to to be able to give as much ground as he has to do. I mean, they tried to keep him closer to the pace in the Bluegrass, and that was just a total disaster. But uh, you know, he is what he is. Well, you know, it's tough when you have a horse that runs that way. We thought, we thought, keep me in mind was actually a really nice two-year-old that had his growth pattern interrupted by adding blinkers. And ultimately, the process you're talking about is taking a horse and trying to make them show more early speed than they're comfortable doing. Um, so his for us, we, he was an interrupted growth pattern horse that that we actually really liked as a two-year-old. And they did take blinkers off for the Derby, and they got him going in the right direction again. We think there's a chance that, that horse could refine a growth pattern and and improve a little bit. And we we do see a little uh, we we see some herd dynamic strength in him. I agree with you on the running style part because I mean this is discouraging. He ran the the fastest final quarter in the Derby according to Trackus, and and he ran a good race, but he was last early. Yeah. And he finished seventh and, and, and ran a good race. And the horse he didn't get by was Midnight Bourbon, who was a speed horse who didn't even get the trip he wanted. So right. I think that speaks to what you were saying earlier, that how tough it is to win with that running style. It is. It's tough. You have to make sure that uh, you get a clear run when you're running. And those type of horses, are, are usually when they get stopped, it's over. You know, they can't get that momentum back. So you have to, to find a clear path. Uh, you should try to save a little ground at, at some point. So that you know you have a 
the 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 energy left to finish up strong. So you you have to avoid traffic and and, and again, it, it's just hard. Especially you don't have any control over the pace, whatever the pace is that you're running into. Um, it's totally dictated by someone else. So, I mean, uh, you remember the horse Turkoman? I know it more via pedigree. Yeah, Turkoman. He he was he, he was a good horse. He was a really good horse. He he actually was the beaten favorite in in the Breeders' Cup in 1986. The Skywalker won, um, and it was just a case of he just got too far behind, and he would get way way behind and make these massive runs, and 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 he was kind of like a fan favorite. People liked him. Like he was one of my favorites because he when he got ahead of steam he would just blow by horses, but he was always um, at the the mercy of the pace and and that's the thing is those horses with that style generally aren't able to um, whenever they try to keep them closer like you said they add blinkers try to try to keep them closer to the pace the the that run just kind of you know they they use up too much energy staying close and, and it's just not how they want to run um and the way they want to run they're they're not really capable of influencing the herd or the pace or the race for the first 60 sometimes 70 percent of the race they're just they're not able to make put their mark on it they're at the, the the small portion of the race at the end where they're trying to put their mark on it you know they're not all at the same spot where they start from no no doubt no doubt um the poly track horses as usual, made no uh, no impact at all. They just ran around there. Um, to me, but, it's yeah, just, like like the king uh, needs to head back to the polyer turf. Back to the turf, he's going. Uh, Mister Ward said he's going back, and Saint Hood uh, really, you know, didn't really do much either. I mean, the fact that they made that a hundred point prep is just wrong. I mean, we've talked about the point system before, and it's like. It needs some adjusting, and, and the one adjustment they made was to add that race. To hunt. I mean, getting two horses from the Derby to have no impact every year just seems silly. Since yeah. since Animal Kingdom won, the very next year, 2012, Animal Kingdom won in 2011. It was the 10th anniversary. And Animal Kingdom was good on all surfaces. Animal Kingdom could handle dirt. He could handle turf. He could handle poly. He could handle anything. He was just a good horse. Um, And there's not many horses that can handle all three surfaces at the grade one level. There just isn't many. You know, we didn't have synthetics for that long. Uh, Zenyatta never ran on the turf, but um, there's not a whole lot. I think you can put uh, count on one hand the number of horses that competed and and won at the grade one level um, on three different surfaces. But since he won, the horse name went the day well, was fourth. A closing fourth in the 2012 Derby, and that was with uh, Graham Motion as the trainer as well. Right. Since then, not a single horse has come close. They haven't come close. A couple of years, they didn't even the, the the winner of that race didn't even run in in the in the uh, the Derby. They didn't even bother. But not a single horse has come close. You're essentially wasting two spots on on uh, you know on that. Uh, on uh, uh, horses that really are, are very unlikely to be uh, factors. Um, and you're not going to make your race better. Meaning the, the Jeff Ruby is not going to get star horses going there or top names. They're not going there. It's going to still be a race for Canadian poly track horses um, for turf horses or for horses that just aren't good enough to compete in the other 
uh, preps. And I think that that's, you know, like it's two out of, it's two out of 20. And, um, this year, I mean, was kind of a, a odd year and that seemed like no one wanted to run the last week. Um, you know, you had horses like Brooklyn strong or weren't even in, like their name wasn't even mentioned. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, three days before entries, uh, they got to rush them to there. And, uh, I got a kick out of that. They had they had the workout. It was it Monday of Derby Week, and they said, "Well, if he if this work looks good and he comes out of it well, we're gonna we're gonna run in the Derby." And he had to be in Louisville the next day, so that that decision was made pretty quickly. That yeah, he, the workout looked good and he came out of it well. And listen, man, I always root for the underdogs. But I do too. I, that I that, that was that just horse. you cannot treat the Derby like an extra. You cannot just enter in the Derby. You can't. You have to have prepped for it. You can't just throw in it. You can't do it. And, and you're you're not doing your horse the service. And thankfully, he seems like he's come out of it okay. But then they said they're going to go to the Belmont. And I'm thinking to myself, it costs $50,000 to run in these races. Why are you squandering money? You know, you know, like, there's plenty of horses. You have a nice horse. He's a good horse. He's capable of, of becoming a good horse. And, and he's a gelding, right? So... There, there's going to be, um, you know, the Belmont is not a difficult race to run in, in terms of getting in. The Belmont is rarely overfilled. If you yeah. want to run a horse in the Belmont, that's your dream. Well, you, there's a pretty good chance that you're, you're going to find a horse somewhere along the line that you could run in the Belmont and be 50 to one. It's not like the Derby where you've got to, you know, you've got to qualify. How many races in this country outside of the Kentucky Derby and Breeders' Cup races do you have to literally qualify to get in, you know, not many at all, hardly any. So it's hard, like it's harder to get in a maiden race sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I, I just don't follow why they're going to run that horse in the Belmont. I, I just don't know what they saw from the Derby to think that like the Belmont is going to be, uh, you know, where they're going to make up those 17 lengths. I just, I just don't know. Even, um, like I said, I root for the small guys all the time. I'm just not really sure what encouraged them. <laughs> you know, the only thing I could dig up on him, um, his dam, I think, won going a mile and three-eighths on the turf, like in a, in a non-winner's two-exit golf stream. So there is some stamina on the dam side. You know, maybe that's the dream. And I'm sure the horse acts like a horse who wants to run all day. And I know, but and, still, you know, it, it's the, the Belmont maybe Stakes. to talk themselves into doing it. It's gonna, and it's going to be a big field, too, it sounds like. I mean, there's there's but horses, got, there's horses from like overseas. Say, achievable goals in Char- the New York Red Ranks. Charlie Appleby has already sent a horse over. Just got to Belmont. That, that's gonna that's pointing to the Belmont. I think the horse is like fifth or sixth in the UAE Derby. Um, but Charlie Appleby's a really good trainer, and when then that guy, you know, I I don't know. Maybe it's a shot in the dark. I, I don't, you know, I don't know why they're trying it, but they certainly seem to think that the the horse is well, going to have a shot. The UAE Derby is going in the Belmont. Winner is going in yeah, the Belmont, right? Right. Uh huh. Um, and yeah. uh, there's a Japanese horse. It's supposed to be. I, pointing I, to I tried that. to do some research on the Japanese horse in the Preakness, but he doesn't doesn't look real strong from the little information I found on them. Yeah. The the problem with trying to look up Japanese horses is most of the time the stuff's in Japanese and you know. I think I think it's more a willingness. Google to, Translate like, doesn't they, work that great in Japanese I've I've found. <laughs> if, if they find someone willing to come over, I think they want to grow these races oh, and make sure. them international races. So Absolutely. like willing connections are almost as big of a deal as a, a more a bigger deal than a horse that actually fits. Uh, you know, listen, man. 
the Japanese betting markets are it's a massive massive market and and, and I would I would I would let them put a, any who, anybody they want if they want to send a stable pony over you know put the saddle on them and <laughs> as long as those the, the that market wants to bet on our race that that that's a, it's always a good thing um, put, them into, put them into our pools. What did you think about uh, the the Oaks? I know you guys didn't uh, you know like go over the horses extensively, but. Uh, you know, just just what was your your feelings on the uh, on the Kentucky Oaks? I mean, it was a, it was it turned out to be a great race. I mean, uh, I mean, it was you know what a stretch call, right? I, I I would be lying to you if I told you that I I looked at the race hardly at all because that's how deeply focused we were on the Kentucky Derby. You know, I was familiar. It was a Shadwell filly that won the Oaks, and they're talking about running her against the boys, right? Yeah, yeah, Malathat, uh, Curling Philly. Um, She's out of uh, dreaming of Julia, and dreaming of Julia is an AP Indy, so <laughs> distance should not be an issue. Um, she's not quite as fast as the Colts. Uh, her 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 best races, uh, like on Thoroughgraphs, she was running fours. I don't know what she ran in this race. Um, Medina Spirit was running threes, uh, but the top horses were running ones. So I'm assuming that Medina Spirit, uh, Midnight Charlie, not Midnight Charlie, Hot Rod Charlie, uh, Mandaloon, they probably all, you know, ran tops. Um, uh, Essential Quality might have matched because he lost so much ground. Um, But, you know, she's a little bit slower than those. I don't, you know, obviously know. She did lose some ground uh, in this race, so so she didn't uh, get the ideal trip. And, I mean, the mile and a half... Um, should be within. I mean, she she might be the best bred horse to go a mile and a half of all of the the top three year olds, Colts or Phillies. But um, it, it was really a masterful ride. John Velasquez had to make a decision early in the race because she didn't break all that alertly, and the field was kind of coming over like from, from the left and from the right, and he kind of forced her way. He he asked her early and got her through the pack and got her into a, a decent position. And had he not done that, she would have probably had too much to do. And I don't think that she would have ever gotten uh, close enough to search results. And search results ran a great race for a filly that that really, uh, I think, only had three or four races going into the race. Um, you know, and, and she kind of showed herself a little bit in the gazelle when um, when she ran faster than the wood memorial that day. And, and, and obviously the horses coming out of the wood haven't done a whole lot. But still, it, it's you don't see three-year-old fillies run faster than three-year-old Colts um, in, at, at the same distance very often. It just doesn't happen very often. And uh, she ran she ran a really good race, too. Uh, I was thinking, you know, Malathat, search results, if, if they can kind of keep on, um, you know, moving forward. Uh, you know, she's the dare. You know, she dares the devil. She kind of, it was kind of a workmanlike victory on the, uh, the Derby undercard, but she ran well. I mean, hell, she beat... Uh, um, the Philly that beat Monomoy girl, um, yeah. uh, you know, Latrushka. So, you know, you, you take uh, Swiss Skydiver, Monomoy girl, Latrushka, she dares the devil, uh, the three, you know, the three of Malathat, search results. And all of a sudden, I mean, if everybody can, can stay healthy and stay on course, you know, the Breeders' Cup Distaff m- might be better raced than, than, than any of them. Yeah, and I think this Belmont, you know, it's too early to say right now, but I'm I'm not feeling a ton of excitement for the Preakness, but I think with some of these horses, you know, waiting for the Belmont, we could be set up for a pretty interesting Belmont this year, especially if Medina Spirit gets it done in the Preakness. You know, I, I'll be honest, I think the biggest X factor 
to this race, the Kentucky Derby, has nothing to do with any of the horses in the Kentucky Derby. I think the biggest decision that was made was Brad Cox not entering Cotto River in this race. And I think to a lesser extent, Bob Baffert not entering um, Concert Tour. Um, And they're both in the Preakness. And they're both. Well, Cotto River, there's no decision made yet. Uh, sounded like he was kind of lean. I mean, he he ruled out essential quality today, so uh, he didn't rule him out. So uh, if Cotto River and Concert Tour and um, <laughs> uh, Medina Spirit all hook up in, in, in the Preakness, I mean, it becomes a far more interesting race. Uh, it, it'll be an interesting race anyway. That now that you know the guy who has the only shot to win the Triple Crown is entering a horse against his own horse with the you know the same running style. <laughs> so yeah. that in itself is is it makes it a, a little interesting. And and uh, I mean, you know, you put Cotto River in there, and and dep- again, it, when you're talking about uh, you know speed horses, the draw matters. When you look at the race in Arkansas, right, the two the series of two races, the Cotto River and Contratour ran against each other. The first race, when Cotto River conceded from the inside, like totally cost himself the race, and yeah. he wound up yeah. outside and wound up running. You know, in the second time he drew and he drew again, and, and and you could he just took different tactics because he drew inside again. He couldn't take back; he had to go. So. You know what happens if if uh, if if Medina Springs draws the rail and 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 Cotto River draws the seven and and Contratour draws the twelve, <laughs> you know, like all right, whoever's riding Contratour, I think it's Mike Smith as, as a matter of fact. Um, you know, like what what's he do? I mean, he's got to send right from post twelve. Well, Medina Spirit, are, are you going to just try to get the the uh, the Super Stock Arkansas Derby trip sitting in behind him? Or you know how hard do you send and and Cotto River is obviously going to go and it, it just it, I think the the addition of those two horses could really make it a, an interesting tactical race and and um and and also I think it will encourage people like you talked about would keep me in mind um that if they see a ton of speed signed on they might say you know what we might get a speed duel and our horse is kind of a closer or, or maybe even a horse that's kind of a mid pack horse. They might say, you know, let's let's take a shot. Yeah, and Cotto River, he scratched from the Derby late enough that we I actually had his whole profile written, and he only knows one way. Like we kind of we we call him a freight train speed type. He has to get out. He he is he is straight line speed, and he does not want to be asked to go sideways. He doesn't want to have to stop and start again. Like he just has to go. So and he's not. A stable mate, you know, he he's going to be going for it for sure. There'll be no question about intentions with him if he's in the race. So, yeah, it's uh, it, it could it really could could add to the intrigue, um, of of the Preakness and uh, I mean, you know, Medina Spirit can can somehow, uh, you know, put another race like that together again and and, and be going for the Triple Crown. The Belmont could be kind of a uh, you know, you add the Philly, you, you add the uh, essential quality, the beaten favorite in the Derby, and I mean, all, all, all of a sudden, the Belmont is like this this fascinating race, and uh, that's what I'm thinking. Know. I mean, that's you know, like sometimes, P, I, I wind up talking too much about the negative in the sport because you know, in a lot of ways, <laughs> we're like pounded, pounded, pounded with negative stories, and I, I honestly. Uh, I was happy when Medina Spirit won. I'm not gonna lie. I had the horse at 38 to one in the future books, you know. So what? Uh, so hey, 
uh, I'm not. I'm bragging because I, I I hit future books for the Derby every you know thirty years or so. So, um, I was happy, but the 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 reaction on social media is a problem, man. Because and, and this is a thing that I don't know that, that there is no quote unquote racing, right? There's no centralized anything, and it's not a good look in our biggest race when the horse who wins it, the social media pushback that there's like waves of scorn and and just disgust and and like um yeah just you know Baffert has become this lightning rod of 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 a of a person um a figure and you know with the Arkansas Derby uh you know crap that happened you know with the commission just a couple of weeks ago and and him wind up you know being um, you know, let off the hook is, is what people say. And, and honestly, it, it was a, a huge screw up by the, the Arkansas Department of Racing and the test lab. I mean, all the procedures were screwed up. And, and, that, and that's part of the problem in, in that, you know, the system isn't that good. It never has been that good. But um, and I, I don't really have an answer for this. But uh it's not good when, when like, it's always good to have villains. And I talked about this with Barry last night. I said, you know what? The New York Yankees are always going to draw. They're... It's not an example of this. Uh, you know, our, our specialty is looking at, at the horse's herd dynamic, looking at their mental profile. And, and, and Medina's spirit is a gritty horse. He came from the bottom. When Baffert got him, he didn't go to Baffert's barn. He went to wherever his second string was. Right, of course. And, and, you know, and then he got a call that said, hey, uh, you know, as in, in horse racing, we say this horse might be okay. It means this horse is actually really good. You know, so he, he earned his way through. And this is a horse that's mentally efficient and gritty. And, and, and he, you know, he earned that derby win. So it's it's bad that the reaction was a little bit disappointing because I, I had people on my timeline, you know, I, I post did some post post derby, and they just they just wanted drugs, bold bold face type. That's all they want to talk about. And, yeah, uh, yeah, that, know, that and Joel Rosario's <laughs> Joel Rosario's foot wasn't in the stirrup. I'm like, yeah, he's he's going to try to commit uh, suicide. <laughs> like, like what theory do you have to to think that Rosario wouldn't want you know? Like, if you wanted to get the horse beat, okay, there's way easier ways to get the horse beat that doesn't require you falling off the horse and getting trampled by, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, the, the horse literally jumped vertically when the gate opened. Yes, and and, and, and people forget, too, that, that, well, not that they forget, they don't even realize that, like, jockey's foot, the, the amount of, like, there's like 10% of their foot is in the stirrup, it's their toe is in the stirrup, because they don't want to get caught up in the stirrup in case something happens. They don't, they sort of, little, you know, they don't want to wind up, uh, you know, dangling from the side of the horse. The jockey is is literally balanced on, on his toes. Um, and, you know, there's, it's it's a tough, it's tough, it's a tough job. Listen, uh, you know, we we complain about them all the time, but it, it's not an easy job. It, it's it's not. And, uh, um, you know, but I, I just... Uh, I understand, and you know, the thing is, I understand why people feel like they do. I do. I understand it because the industry has done a shitty job of explaining what the hell's really going on. And, uh, you know, we rely on the racing commissions. The racing commissions are, aren't, aren't, are, uh, shouldn't be our voice. Who on racing commissions is qualified to, to, to really explain a situation? No, none of them. None of them. And the tracks don't do it, and the horsemen's groups don't do it, and and uh, the alphabet soup groups don't do it. 
and at least like in Kentucky, like, and there's very, there's some small steps, right? Um, like explaining DQs right after they happened. Okay. It's, it, it, it's a good, you know, it, it's something, uh, especially when, you know, there's a DQ that might not be as obvious as, as, uh, as another, you know, as some of them, but, uh, Pat Cummings and the Thoroughbred Ideas Foundation has done a, a really good series um, on wagering security uh, or, or lack thereof. Uh, and, and actually, peep, everyone should check it out. Thoroughbred Ideas Foundation. He's done a white paper. It's like 12 uh, different parts. Uh, and it's eye-opening. And if you're a better, if you're an owner, if you're a trainer, if you're, you're involved in racing at all, you should read that. And there's a lot of questions that need to be asked to people why is this in 2021 still an issue and why is this not being addressed and and if you think that hackers can get into the the pentagon and they can get into the banks and and these these um these institutions with this you know that are spending uh, tens and hundreds of millions of dollars to stay safe you know we aren't spending that and uh, i was i was in the press box at arlington park when the when Volpone won the Breeders' Cup Classic and and the, they announced that the pick six had been hit and and the fuzzy details of the ticket started coming out, and then there was a report in the wake of that, and we still haven't fixed most of the issues in and, that report. And that's, so that's, yeah, uh, Pat's done a great job, and then tote security is a big issue that the industry needs to tackle if if we want to be taken seriously with all these new forms of gambling and all the new technology that is out there. No, it's no doubt. Be, it, and, we've, we've got to be better. And you got to think, you know, Pete, that um, it was trending in this direction anyways. But when the pandemic hit and no tracks had any fans, all of the handle was off track. All of the handle was coming in through a computer. It, you, you had very little handle that, that consisted of a, of a person handing money to a teller who handed a ticket to the person. That stopped happening. There was no on-track wagering. So... All of the money was coming in through through electronic means, and and anything that that's you know done electronically probably can be compromised if someone is really trying to to do that. And and we're talking a lot of money. And um, I mean, you know, there's eleven billion dollars bet in the sport, and, and it's it's it should be more, but still, it's eleven billion dollars. And and if, if if we have pools um, that aren't being protected. And I mean, just think about the, even the Breeders' Cup scandal of the year of Valpony. Like, if they hadn't, you know, been quite as as uh, I, you know, apparently they had done it before. If they had just not been greedy, you know, who knows? Well, they did it. They just did it sloppily. Yeah, they wouldn't have been. They wouldn't have been caught if they weren't so sloppy. And that, that's that's the thing that scares me is is that like that's something you want to kill consumer confidence. Yeah, tell them that you know. Someone bet after the race was over, and 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 the exact you hit that you should have got back three hundred and forty dollars. You're going to get back two hundred and twelve, <laughs> you know, because that other guy he's got he's got you he's got you your extra money in his pocket because you know the the we didn't do a good job of of uh, making sure that uh, the the pools were safe and and it's uh, I mean it's it's a problem and, and it's you know I, I hope uh, honestly and, and this isn't to be critical but. Uh, I think Pat's release timing um, of the report kind of got, uh, I think it would have got a lot more publicity and a lot more, um, a lot more, not interest, but 
I think it got lost in the, in the, 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 the wave that is the Kentucky Derby that just kind of wipes everything out in racing. Um, you know, that last week before the Derby, nobody pays any attention to anything else in racing except literally the Derby. So I hope that, that, that they do, uh, you know, when they do finish up releasing all the, the segments, you know, you know, put a, make a big push. And I certainly will have him on the show. And again, and we've had Pat on as a, a pretty regular guest and, uh, just to try to, to get, uh, I mean, in the end, I guess, you know, are we having to shame the tracks and the, and the tow companies in, into doing this? I mean, if we have to, to shame them into doing that, we have to shame them into doing it. But I, I mean, that's, that's to me, if I'm a racetrack and I own a tow company, man, I, I, it could be a criminal, you know, you might have somebody that, that takes a criminal case up against you for, for right. knowing these things exist and, and, uh, you know, not, not, uh, you know, not, not making sure that they're not done and, and, um, or maybe it's an inside job like that too. I mean, there's just a lot of uh, a lot of things that this. It's very frustrating sometimes in this business because the same mistakes are made over and over again, and we kind of look, um, you know, like uh, you know, I had Steve Screnchy on earlier from the FHGPA, and we're talking about you know we're probably going to lose all our slot money in, in Florida, and and it's about twenty percent of the purse money. It's not like some of the other places. You know, Parks lost all our slot money. They'd be running for you know maiden races for four thousand dollars. But um, you know, we know we've all known at some point that they were going to come for our money, and we haven't really done a whole lot to change that. And that's not South Florida specifically. That's everywhere. That's everywhere. Um, you know, they've ducked. They've ducked it in Pennsylvania. They got a little haircut. They ducked it a little bit there. You know, Kentucky seems safe for now. Um. But, uh, you know, in other areas, I mean, you know, who knows what's going to happen? And people say, well, we're protected by this law. Well, guess what? Laws change. And when the state needs money, you know where they're coming. They come at us every single time. Every single time they come, they come at us because, you know, again, it's, it's, a, it's a bad reputation. And, and the fact of the matter is if we have scandals um when they're deciding to come after us that doesn't put us in a good light <laughs> you know that doesn't help so so uh, hopefully uh, i think it just it, it comes down to we need a better product and that means we do need to treat the horses better we do need to reform our drug laws we do need better wagering security and it's frustrating to see that these problems have been there for so long and not fixed so i mean i'm under i understand why people are, are looking for solutions. I'm almost to the point where it's just like, let's just bring it all out in the light. And, and this is, let's find out exactly how we're doing things. And it, are we proud of this? Is this the best we can do? And if it's not, let's improve it. Cause I mean, I think horse racing is a great game and I don't want it to go away, but, but I have a lot of worries right now. You know, there's, there's a lot of movement in a lot of different areas that are, that are going in the wrong direction. Uh, I think that you put that very, very well. And then uh, I, I honestly, I, I feel um, I wholeheartedly agree, and, and uh, I want things to be better, and it, it, it frustrates me to no end when I, I see, and and I think that um, it's difficult sometimes in this business, uh, because it's a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week, 365-day-a-year business uh, in many ways, that you just get consumed by your work, especially on the horseman side, uh, you're consumed by your work, you know? Uh, you're you're working 
every day all you know horses don't get sick at, at 11 o'clock in the morning they always get sick at two o'clock in the morning and fans break down and things ha- i mean there's always issues and, and it's not an excuse it's not an excuse but i think it's just it, it's a it's a, an explanation and i think that we sometimes don't understand where the other guy's coming from, where the tracks are coming from, where the breeders are coming from, where the sales companies are coming from, where the jockeys are coming from. You know, a lot of ways, I think that, like, when I step back from training, I've been able to talk to people. Uh, people have been a little more frank with me about some some things, I think, you know, and I can see different points of view a little bit clearer. It doesn't always mean I agree with them, but now at least I can understand why they're coming with that point of view. And one of the things that we, we, we just have not been able to accomplish is to have sort of a, a summit of sorts where everybody can kind of get on the same page at, at some way. I'm not saying that we're going to have a kumbaya and everyone's going to hold hands and, and agree and Churchill's going to lower their rates and these guys are going to promise not to do this. And this is, I mean, listen, it's, 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 you know, business is business is business. But there's so much there's so much that's inefficient in the way this business is conducted that it's it's frustrating. It's very very frustrating to see that to see uh, the arguments for certain things. We've how much time and money and energy and resources and, and bad will have we created with this LASIK stuff, right? I mean, think about the time and energy and, and, and money and, and all the negativity that, that surrounds talking about that. And it's still not over. When you had Aunt Pearls at 1 to 5 running up the track and then coming out that she bled. And you have uh, the horse of Baffert's uh, two races later. Uh, Philly was like 6, 7 to 1. A Kryptonic, I think her name was, um, or Calypso, excuse me, Calypso, who eases and bleeds out of her nose. Like, you know, off of LASIK, these horses are not having LASIK. So, so that issue is not going away either. And and it's like we spent all our time on that. But there's other issues that we 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 need to like, um, you know, like you you, you have a, a big project and there's uh, you, you try to look for things you can check off, take care of the easy things first. Like we never even yeah. take care of the easy things. We just let it build up and build up and build up and build up. And then, you know, you look and you have this mountain of issues. And sometimes, you know, you look and we have wagering insecurity. We have uh, medication issues. We have super trainer problems. We have a uh, lack of horses problems. We, we have, uh, uh, you know, the whip rule. We have, uh, I mean, th- that's just off the top of my head. That's just off the top of my head. And none of those things are, are close to being solved. I don't know that any of them are really even being uh, th- there's any any real push to 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 fix any of those problems. I think it, there's a lot of band-aids, but probably not a lot of actually addressing the the, the underlying issue. No, and, and and I saw Kentucky is passing a a new whip rule and and it seems like it, it it's a, a realistic rule that that takes into consideration uh that you know the jockey club was was excuse me the jockey's guild was very involved uh and they seem to uh to you know, agree with uh, the changes and it seems to be workable um unlike in new jersey where where they've just gone you know mad and uh you know eventually it's all going to be f- standardized anyways because that is part of the the federal law uh the whip rules will be under the federal law's umbrella so there will be a national rule and, and maybe the kentucky rule will serve as the model uh, for the national rule and if it did honestly it, it's not a bad rule and I'm never. I wasn't against the rules. I was just against like the the idea that you're not supposed to try to win. 
you know, like that's always the, the one thing about horse racing at its core, it's, we can't discourage people from trying to win. And I, I, you know, we don't want people abusing horses in any way, shape or form. That's not, you know, it's just not acceptable, but also it's not acceptable to just run around there. It's not acceptable. We have to be trying to win. And that was where the problem with the Jersey rule really is, because then you're going to, you throw the safety caveat in there. So now is this for safety or is it not for safety? And how do you determine that? And, 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 and you know what happened? One guy hits it for safety. He'll let his horse drift and then he'll smack him three times because he'll do it intentionally and say, well, look, the horse is drifting. So I had to, I mean, it's just a, a, a terrible rule. And, um, yeah, it just is a, it's a tough, it's a tough game. You know I mean? You and I've been around a long time and, uh, you know, you've seen it from a little different vantage point as as a uh, an actual journalist. <laughs> I'm like a fake journalist, but um, it's a uh, you know it's a game that we both love, and and uh, you know it just it, it, sometimes it's frustrating when you just don't see the progress being made that that could be made, and and that's the thing is it could be made. We just have to make the effort. Yeah. I'm encouraged by by the the movement on the whip rule. I think there's a smart compromise. Like that's one I think we can fix. And I know that we're having this big argument within the industry, but I mean, in a way, I think it's a good thing because I think we can arrive at a compromise, and and it's going to be better for the animals, and it's going to be better for the image of the sport in the end. Um, some of these other issues are deeper, and I think that the industry needs to take them more seriously and, and take them take them on head first. Otherwise, you know, we are going to have people who don't know about horse racing making decisions for us if we don't if we don't do it right ourselves yep 100 percent. well pete listen man i i appreciate uh all your time and um and your your input it's uh it's always interesting to to get your guys version of of, of what you see and how you see it you see it from a different angle and, and it's always uh informative and educational and uh i do appreciate you giving us uh well a whole lot of time today no problem. We 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 went all over the place. But if people are interested in our herd dynamic profiles, our, our website is thtbloodstock.com. And uh, I think this is the 11th or 12th year we did the Derby. All of our Derby reports are are uh, <clears throat> cataloged there. You can see what we thought each year. We're going to put up this year's uh, report shortly. Make sure you read the the report on Medina Spirit. Just ignore the part where we said he might not get a mile and a quarter. <laughs> Everything else is true. And uh, I, I do think this is a really cool horse and, and a really cool story. I look forward to seeing how all these horses come out of the Diver- Derby and develop the rest of the year towards the Breeders' Cup. Absolutely. All right. Thank you, Pete. I appreciate it. No, always good to talk to you, Chuck. Thank you. You got it. All right, everyone. Now it's Pete Dank from THC Bloodstock. Uh, go ahead and check out the report. and. Uh, the postscript, um, I do thank him for coming on and, and going over the, the horses and the derby and giving us a a quick recap. And, uh, you know, Pete's a guy, you know, he's like me. We we love the game. We want it to, to grow. We want it to keep going. And um, we got to fix some stuff. So, anyways, I do want to thank Steve Screnchy from the FHGPA for coming in and trying to explain uh, the uh, – the muck pit that is uh, Tallahassee and Florida politics, and uh, you know how things are are gonna gonna happen up there. It, it, it's it's not very optimistic right now for for racing interests, and uh, we'll just have to see what happens up there on the seventeenth. Uh, 
you know, concerning the compact and, and the language and hopefully some of these, um, you know, kind of anti everybody other than the Seminoles, um, language gets, gets modified possibly. And, and, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, but, uh, I want to thank him. I want to thank, uh, as usual, Casey for <clears throat> keeping us rolling and, uh, we will, um, We'll talk to you guys uh, next Monday. The Big Monday Show with Mr. Barry Spears will be on next Monday. We taped the show last night. It, it's out uh, kind of a, a weekend, a derby weekend review. We talked about uh, pretty much all the races that, uh, you know, of of, of uh, circumstance, of, of which there were many. Uh, but that's out on goingincirclespodcast.com, or you can look it up anywhere that they host podcasts. Just go Going in Circles and search and and you'll see uh you'll see us so uh thanks everyone for listening and uh we will talk to you next week this is the going in circles podcast hosted by horseman chuck simon to become a sponsor to suggest topics or for questions email going in circles podcast at gmail.com and log on to our facebook page going in circles podcast why in the past decade has brl equine become the premier equine supplement company in the industry because we spend millions in research and development before we ever put out a product. Because we use only FDA-supervised facilities to manufacture for us. Because what we say is in them is in them. Because they work. Because if you're not happy, I'll give you your money back. And because top trainers and veterinarians in thoroughbred racing, standard bred racing, three-day eventing, and barrel racing all trust in BRL Equine. Shouldn't you? To find out more how Flexify HA, Unlock, Bleeder Shield, and EPO Equine can help you, contact me, Joseph Volante, 215-501-6880.